You are listening to The Political Periscope, a weekly podcast brought to you by Radio WNET. Interviews on international politics, security, geopolitics, economy and more, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Today's interview is part of Radio WNET's project on the Bucharest 9, the countries of NATO's eastern flank. Our guest is Vladimir Milov, former Russian Deputy Minister of Energy. Political Periscope Putin is using oil and gas as a weapon. What should West do to prevent it? Well, I think it's clear that uh, Putin's era of oil and gas dominance is coming to an end. Uh, there are many people in the West and Europe who are saying, but we still need Russian oil, we still need Russian gas. I think uh, life is about to teach them a hard lesson, because uh, this past three months had once again, at a scale greater than ever before, exposed Russia as an unreliable partner. Like, it can impose excessive demands like gas payments and rubles or cut off supplies at will against the contracts. Now, how reliable is that? <laughs> the next day, Russia will again uh, do something terrible, which will escalate another level of debate about uh, uh, getting rid of Russian oil and gas imports. So if, if there is anyone in the West who still thinks that we can continue import Russian oil and gas as normal, This is, I mean, this is wishful thinking. Uh, they will be very quickly realizing that uh, the reality is different. So, uh, yes, uh, Putin is capable of using oil and gas as a weapon now, but I think this war acted like a fundamental game changer. Uh, even many politicians and uh, experts in the West and in Europe uh, who have been advocating for continuing imports of Russian oil and gas Many of them are changing their minds now, and this is an irreversible process. So this leverage exists only for some time. Few years down the road, Putin simply won't have this leverage anymore. Some people say that uh, Russia is imposing sanctions on itself by demanding payment in rubles and cutting off gas. What's your opinion? I agree. I think this, uh, the cuts off uh, of gas supplies to countries which disagree to pay in rubles, like uh, Poland, Bulgaria, Finland, Netherlands, this acts as a very uh, important alert uh, to other consumers. Like Russia can uh, arbitrarily cut off supplies if uh, the Western consumers do not fulfill some, you know, whatever next demands Russia will be imposing. These days they, they demand payment in rubles. Who knows what's going to be the next uh, crazy demand and so on. So that, that once again exposes Russia as an unreliable supplier. I think this will have a profound effect on many other consumers who still try to find ways to continue working and even opening ruble accounts and Gazprom banks. So yes, I would agree that uh, such uh, reckless actions are comparable to imposing sanctions on itself. So, do you think that sanctions will actually damage Russia, damage uh, Russian economy? Absolutely, they are damaging it to a great extent right now. If you look at the figures, uh, import uh, from not only developed world, but countries like China or Turkey is down substantially. So, uh, we import uh, all the stuff that is necessary to continue manufacturing goods. Uh, Russian manufacturing is heavily dependent on import, raw materials, technology, component parts, and, and so on. 
uh, like imports from Germany is down 63% in March. I think April and May figures will be even more devastating when we see them. That means uh, a, a very uh, strong blow to Russian manufacturing industries and deteriorating quality of life, quality of food, uh, consumer goods, basic services, and so on. If you just Google uh, deficit of spare parts, deficit of server capacity for digital infrastructure, deficit of seed bank for agriculture, whatever, I can go on for hours. The disruption for Russian economic architecture as we know it is enormous, and we will see it in macro figures in the coming months and years. What about uh, those uh, resources, uh, carbohydrates, uh, energetic resources after the war? What with uh, the economy and the cooperation between Russia and the West after the war? I think Russia will have to build a totally new economy from scratch. Because uh, these uh, big export volumes of oil and gas to European market, they are not returning, never. Uh, and uh, Russia will find an opportunity to sell some of these volumes to Asia, not all of them, but some of these volumes to Asia. But this will come at far greater cost because infrastructure is lacking and we, we will need to invest hundreds of billions of dollars to build it. Plus, uh, energy consumers in China and India, they're also clever and pragmatic people. They see what sort of trouble we're finding ourselves in. So they will demand and already demand very steep discounts. So we will get less money and we'll have to spend uh, far more on infrastructure, so the profits will be negligible, nothing comparable to what we received from Europe. So we will have to build a totally new economy based on something else, not oil and gas, to sustain ourselves. Russia best Putina? Of course. Russia best Putina. Hmm. So uh, you're not the first member of the Mikhail Kasyanov's uh, government that we have a chance to speak with. Uh, we've spoken a few weeks ago with uh, Vladimir Ponomaryov. And are man many members of uh, Kasyanov's government uh, outside Russia right now uh, being dissidents, political dissidents? I'm not tracking all of them, but Kasyanov's cabinet was a very reformist-minded cabinet, and Kasyanov himself was fired uh, even at the, the, the late uh, stages of Putin's first presidential term because he criticized the arrest of Mikhail Khodorkovsky and so on. So uh, that was a very different time when Kasyanov was uh, prime minister. There was a, a future-oriented, reform-oriented period. Putin have scrapped that, uh, scrapped these hopes for reforms and Russia becoming a normal country at peace with everybody and uh, uh, developing its economy and so on. So it's uh, not a surprise that many of the people who used to work on major reforms back then are in opposition and exile now. That's uh, kind of natural. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much. This was The Political Periscope. The podcast is released every Thursday at 7 p.m.